Welcome to God's Planning, Contemplative Preachers, Contemporary Age. Each week, join the Dominican Friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to God's Planning. This is the podcast where Dominicans from the province of St. Joseph get together and talk about issues of faith and spirituality, theology, philosophy, just what's going on. And this week, uh, my name is Father Bonaventure Chapman, and I'm stationed at the House of Studies in D.C., doing Ph.D. work at Catholic University. And I'm joined by Father Joseph Anthony Kress, who is stationed in Charlottesville at UVA. But I'll give you a little more explanation from him, actually, about what you're doing. What are you doing there, Father Joseph Anthony? Welcome back. Uh, it's good to be back. Good to chat with you a little bit, Father Bonaventure. Um, yeah, so th- we're starting our, our third, or at least my third academic year as the, a chaplain to the undergraduate students here at the University of Virginia. So um, yeah, it's it's going well, kind of halfway through the fall semester, uh, things are starting to run smoothly now. But um, also just trying to get like your sea legs under you after three years, have a better idea of, you know, campus ministry and what's going on, especially here at the University of Virginia. Um, so yeah, everything's going well. Yep, that's right. So now you've you've been there for, I, and I was a chaplain at Providence College for and teacher for the last two years. So we both had some experience, but you've been there longer. So we'll, we'll start with you on this kind of stuff. Um, what was it like? What was your first experience coming to chaplaincy? What was the biggest surprise, I could say? At, at UVA or any sort of college chaplaincy experience? Like, what did you have to change about your Dominican life or what did you have to modify? Or I guess, yeah, that's a good question. How did Dominican life work with the chaplaincy initially? And then what were like some surprises? Um, I mean, I think for both of us, we, we have some similarities because we both walked into colleges where there's been a long established Dominican presence. That's true. You know, Pro- Providence College run by our friars, run by the, this province for you know, how many, over a century now. Um, So, and here in Charlottesville, the Dominican Friars have been serving um, the University of Virginia for over 40 years. So for both of us, it it was kind of interesting because we both walked into um, a very strong Dominican presence within the Mm -hmm. um, context. But I I would say one of the things that I've had to um, kind of just adapt and, and think it's just aspects of ministry is starting to understand, um, you know, your schedule is a lot more fluid than you would ever mm. want it to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Um, so meetings and, and scheduling things, um, no matter how much you plan ahead, it always gets changed. And especially working with college students who don't really make plans to the last second, uh, if anything. And uh, when they do make plans, they're very, uh, very temporary. So kind of learning to be more flexible with um, how college students arrange and schedule their own lives and how they work with that, uh, adjust how you have to be available to them um, as well. So it's not just the standard. I think a lot of people always think that college chaplains need to, um, they sleep in in the morning and work uh, until the wee hours of the, the morning, you know, that a lot of their work happens at at night with events and things like that, which there are aspects of that. But I would say it's the kind of fluidity of getting the text message from a, a student saying like, hey, can you uh, meet with me at some point? It's like, yeah, you know, uh, when, when you're available, it's like, I leave in the next two hours before I go home for uh, winter break. <laughs> like, do you have time yes. in the next two hours? And you're like, okay, we've got to make that happen then. 
You yes, know. there are certainly privileged moments in the, in the in the cycle of the college where you have to be there like before breaks or right yes. after breaks and all that sort of thing. There's certain moments of that. And then certain moments in the day that are important, especially late nights and those sort of thing. I think when you mentioned that the texting part, one of the biggest changes when my experience was the change of communication and the modes of communication and, and the significance of them. So that when, I mean, for me, if you send an email that means that it should be responded to rather quickly. Whereas if you send snail mail, like a postage mail, then you have some time and flexibility when you're going to respond to this. But for students, I found that they treated emails like they were snail mails. So that I'd send an email and that would be expecting like a response within the next day or half a day or in the evening or something or something that had to be acted on. And they wouldn't respond for days. Yeah, absolutely. But whereas, so I found texting texting for them was what email was for me and email for them was what snail mail was for me. And it took a while to get used to one carrying around a phone, you know, and then texting with, with students when you had to do things quickly or group chat, like a, a group, a group me or something like that. Yeah. These, these kind of social communications that didn't have any, any senses before, but are the bread and butter of how students relate to each other. Yeah. And I mean, I would even go one step further. Like when I, when I first got uh, on, on grounds, like I was emphasizing social media. I was like, okay, this is going to be how you connect with uh, students, you know, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Um, But after about a year, year and a half, it was like, no, that's not actually it. It's Mm. it's exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah, some people, Mm -hmm. you know, can utilize that for different things, but like in a real sense, um, God and the church has not entrusted me with evangelizing and evangelizing the internet. It's mm-hmm. entrusted me with evangelizing and building up the faith here at this specific place. And that's where like texting group me's and those types of things are the kind of means of communication to, um, to, to, to work and build those relationships. And so what yeah, I, 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 I found it very interesting, like our, kind of campus ministry social media that's important to advertise different events and to get things out there to let people know but as far as a personal social media thing um that's it's good and and whatnot but i didn't find it as important as i initially expected it to be yeah and that's no i mean that that's an issue because there used to be and it's all there's this narrative that well, we used to be on face-to-face kind of communication, then all of a sudden social media, so everyone now lives in Facebook and these like virtual realities, and they don't talk to each other. And there's something to that, but I think you're right to say that it's it's shifting to a third stage, which is a combination of social media and face-to-face, because your texting and your group chats are are really more vehicles for you getting together and quick communication, because texting unlike putting something on a Facebook wall or comment pages or blogs, that sort of thing. Texting is really a form of communication directly to that person. Now, the strange part of course, is when you're sitting in the same room and you're texting to each other and that happens occasionally and you're that like, Oh happen. my gosh, oh my gosh yeah. you know, but, but it is, it is a <laughs> almost like a return, you know, in a new mode to that face to face communication. And it's usually to get set up for meetings and things anyway. So you're right that people still, yeah, people still crave this stuff and it's still, we're not, we're not going digital. The church isn't going digital yeah. in this way. And that social media platforms are, have 
even look at like Facebook to now Instagram, which is the more, it strikes me as the more popular one. Which well, is a hundred percent. Instagram I mean, is by far the king. Yeah. And, and that's, and it doesn't, Instagram like holds, it's a platform that seems like it holds the, some things that Facebook does about your personality and those things. But really it's, it's more a snapshot of your individual moments, your time at that particular time, just like meeting a person would be. So even that's a shift to the more spontaneous personal communication in the digital world. It's, it's, that's what it's all about. I think like kind of that old, um, old school thing of like, oh, let's meet up with a person. You, you meet this person in class or whatever it is. And then you keep up the communication and whatever. I see that there's a lot of, um, the initial interaction does happen in a digital way. You know, somebody mm -hmm. starts following a, an account or they find somebody, uh, or they reach out and then that initial contact does happen via digital platforms. But, they want it to go further. They like want to meet that person. They want it to be developed into a face-to-face -face interaction. It doesn't just stay in this virtual level. That's um, right. Yes. It ha it's got to go somewhere. It has a, has an end to it that involves, involves the flesh or the face. Speaking of flesh and faces, um, what do you do as a, uh, as a chapter UV? I don't know what you do there. What's <laughs> after you mentioned this like sleep in or stay up late and all different stuff and breaks and stuff like what is uh what, 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 what do you do or what don't you do? I could say at the, at UVA. Yeah. I mean, I think we've, we've in the last three years, like we've kind of taken a hard look at the ministry and said like, well, let's ask that very question. Like not just what we do, but why are we doing these things? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we've been trying to really emphasize stepping away from very heavy programmatic and event-based ministry into okay. more of like a, a relationship and personal based ministry. So right. uh, the staff down here has been kind of leading that charge of not just saying, okay, what are we doing? But like when we figure out what we're doing, then always emphasizing why we're doing this, that the mm -hmm. events that we hold are going to be those opportunities to build up relationships or to meet somebody Sure. And, and help support them in the faith. So, you know, we do a lot of things. We have our weekly tea sup on Tuesday nights or Tuesday night dinners, um, which have been going really, really well this year. It's just an opportunity for uh, students to come get a decent meal. That's not cafeteria food. Um, and just to yeah. build up social, um, like a social environment and whatnot. Uh, we've been doing a lot of, uh, we're getting ready for our fall retreat this upcoming weekend as when we're recording this, it's this upcoming weekend. I'm not sure when this will air, but, yeah. uh, and then, um, one of the really, really cool things that we started doing this year is, um, for a long, for a number of years, we've been having a 9 PM mass every Sunday night, the kind of like mm, late, late night mass. mass, late night mass, yeah. um, yep. which is a we've staple. Got you beat, okay. What set up at Providence College? Ten o'clock. It was ten thirty when I got there, and then my second year we moved it down to ten, so Ooh. that we were going to. So that we were because we have it's called a, so we have we have the mass and then we have post mass bash, which Ooh. is right afterwards the fellowship things. And when the mass was at ten thirty, you were getting back. Well, you were finishing things like one or something exactly. on a Sunday night. Which if you're teaching eight thirty classes the next day for a chaplain, that was a bit aggressive sometimes hypothetically um, right hypothetically, hypothetically. We moved it, but we moved it back to we moved it back to 10 uh 10 p.m which is still pretty late i yeah. have to say if you guys are nine now we're at nine is it now is that the is that the most uh most sought after you could say or best best attended of all the college uh masses or do the people do the college students go to all sorts of different masses there i mean hard to say like we're we're in a unique environment here in charlottesville because That's we right. are a university parish so yes. we don't just deal only with students we deal with their professors and families the administration mm -hmm. and families and all all that stuff so right now we're building a new church so we have a very extensive mass schedule uh, um yes. 
So the, students go to all of those masses, but the 9 p.m. mass is the highest like percentage of students. We probably have like right. 90, 95 percent are just students there. Yes, that makes it, sense. It's also just held on the uh, the chapel on grounds of the university. So it's at a different location, which location. is closer to, you know, where all the fraternity and sorority houses are and, and yeah. things like that. So. That's, let's talk about let's talk about that where we're, where we're, oh I mean, mass is fine good enough but what about all right college life and catholicism at at, at uva mm. and your experience at chapel like what other tensions is it a smooth perfect glove fits nicely um what are the what, what what's what's it like to be a college student what's your what is what did you have you learned so far from college life and catholicism um that nothing really changes okay human beings are the absolute i mean humans struggle with the same things at yeah. um variety of stages of life they just tend to be for college students the very first time they're dealing with it so it seems to be like a crisis moment mm -hmm. you know and they haven't really built up those skills of uh you know a kind of virtuous habits through which that you can kind of take a take a um you know take a punch on the chin and mm -hmm. things like that so a lot of this is like stuff that they're going to end up de dealing with for the rest of their life but it's the very first time that they're dealing with it so it's a little crazy in that sense so um I think the one thing I learned is that um, really people are the same no matter what age and they're struggling with issues of the faith in the same way, uh, even though they may manifest themselves or the situations may change. They're really the same struggles with the faith, you know. Okay. Uh, what's, it, what, what's the biggest, what, I mean, what are the biggest questions that you, that you found in college and your experience there? I think uh, at least uh, here at UVA is aspects of perfectionism. Okay. You know, aspects of what's the difference between striving for excellence and um, being obsessed uh, with perfectionism and even a little bit of scrupulosity in that sense. Mm. Um, because the University of Virginia is a top tier university. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. These students are uh, top of their classes coming in and haven't really dealt with failure in any sense. And so when they come in and those things hit, then the question becomes well, then you know, who am I? And so at that, that struggle with perfectionism, that struggle, struggle with kind of, um, or an obsession with perfectionism is really a question about identity deeper mm -hmm. down is who am I? Is, am mm -hmm. I just the accomplishments? Am I just these things that I do, these good grades, these, um, athletic, uh, endeavors or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's really mostly a question of who am I uh, who created in the Lord's image and likeness. And yeah. Do you, do you think the modern uh, the university, do you find it in your experience, is it a good place to an answer that question? Or do you think it hides, it, it forces that question to be pushed away to something? My experience um, is that they're so busy that, and, and they're also, because a lot of the students, I mean, at, at PC are business oriented students that are going into the, to the, uh, you know, to the, um, the business world, then they, they have to like make a resume and such. So they're trying to figure out who they are and, but they're not really trying to decide who they are. They decide who they're supposed to be. Do you get that same feeling at, at UVA? A hundred percent. Everything's about resume building. And we even fight that within our ministry. You know, students uh, knock on your door and like, I want to be a Bible study leader. I want to be on leadership team and all these things. And yes, and really big question and, you scrape off that top level or top layer of the surface and you realize that they just want to put it on their resume. Yeah. You know, let's, let's take a, I want to come back to this second. Let's take a quick break here, a time out for our sponsors and to take a little relaxing. So we'll be back again, talking about college campus chaplaincy, uh, Father Bonaventure and Father Joseph Anthony Kress.
This is God's Planning. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining. And we're back. Uh, I don't know if there are any sponsors there. I think it's just a bumper. So um, we're back here. We're talking about the drive to perfectionism, which I also thought was a drive to, uh, we talked related to identity and the fact that all the students are trying to become someone, but are they trying to become someone who they should or are they trying to become someone that they want to be? Or I mean, what, did you experience any like the social pressures kind of stuff there? Do you see the students feeling that? Is it getting better? Is it getting worse? Is that something they come to you for, for help in that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, that's perennial though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a temptation that anybody, um, that, that's always going to be around. And it looks differently on a college campus than it does in, you know, the, the boardroom or whatever it may be. But there is a lot of social pressure. And you see this kind of like, I don't know, every college campus has their unique like uniform. Yes. You know, yes. it's the, you know, the girls with, uh, I don't know, the, the Ugg boots and jeans with the puffy yep, vest right. and, yes. you know, it's a vineyard vine shirts. It's vineyard vines is taking over. Yes. You know? And it, it cycles, but every generation and every campus has their unique uniform and, and they all are getting pressured into that. The conformity is there. What's it's the paradox of we're the most individualistic society in history and yet everyone looks the same mm-hmm. uh, because the individualism is, is in a sense given by or branded by something else and who they want to be. So yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah, all, all the students they have, they're, they're trying to play a particular role. And you're right about that. Everybody, because we have so much, so much access to different models and different exemplars and different ways of being, we just have a lot more range of abilities that we think we could be, but we're not asking the question, who does God want us to be? Who are we supposed to be? Who are we called to be? And where do we find ourselves happiest and most satisfied? That's, but that, you're right. In college, it's, it's bombarding because you just kind of, it's the first time you're away from home or something often, and you have more opportunities without a supervision and you're trying out new things, but it is true. It's a perennial, it's a, it's a perennial issue. And we're yeah. dealing with delayed maturity. Like we have to talk about that. Like, you mm. know, we're, we're really dealing with the delayed maturity and at the college years, that's when peop- the students are really coming of age for the first time. Yeah. So there's a lot of trying to figure it out. There's a lot of social pressure. There's a fear of not fitting in and there's yes. a fear of standing out for whatever reason, you know, you stand out because, you know, you're leaving the fraternity house at Sunday at 9 PM after your chapter meeting, because you have to go to mass. That's standing out. That's terrifying. You yes. Know? This is, and even at like Providence College, for instance, one of our, our big, one our, our students struggled with is those who are involved in campus ministry, those who were, who were faithful, this sort of thing, were always worried about the image that they were Jesus freaks or mm-hmm. they were something that there, there was, this, even at a Catholic college, there was this vision, uh, this idea that if you, if you went to mass, if you were involved in the chaplaincy, if you're around campus ministry or something, you were weird and different. It was, it was a giant out. The Paradox course was it's one of the biggest clubs on on campus with the peer ministry right. involves over 400 some some students. But yet it was still something that they all felt pressured about whether other people would accept them or not, or whether this was an identity that they had to kind of hide or downplay and that kind of stuff. Is that I mean, Did you find that with, with the students at, at UVA as well? Or is, is it a little bit different since they're they're more independent, you could say, maybe less conforming or maybe not? I mean, we're always fighting, and I think this is another 
really mm. strong. Another very perennial issue with campus ministries is to try to break that club mentality. Yes. We're just right. another club on campus. And so to hear students say like, oh, I'm a member of Catholic Who's, which is our campus ministry down here, or mm -hmm. I'm a part of that. Like sometimes that hurts a little bit because it's like, we don't take membership dues. We don't, you know, we yes. don't have initiation processes. Like don't put so, this on, this isn't something to put on your resume. Like, oh, I went to Matt, you know, yes. Yeah, like I was in know. student council and I was also, a, I was also a, a, a Catholic. But there, you always have to fight that kind of club mentality or click mentality. And sometimes you can do it better than others and it, situations lend it to different, um, yeah, different, different aspects of that. But I think it, it can be a little easier sometime to have students who identify and, and boldly identify as being Catholic at a secular university because there's a fight. Mm -hmm. You yes. know, it's, and they are, they're very intentionally saying, you know what? No, I am going to go to mass. There isn't mass in my dorm or there isn't mass in our, like, I'm going to walk all the way across grounds and get to mass. And mm -hmm. so when you have that kind of level of intentionality and even a level of sacrifice to do it, then it's worth kind of identifying with, worth bragging about a little bit. So um, it's, it's part of everything, but I think it can be not as major of an issue at even a secular university, which is kind of odd because the students that are showing up are making a sacrifice. And so yeah. they're, they're not afraid to admit it in other venues, but you know, <laughs> the Catholic faith's always going to take uh, be in the crosshairs of everything, you know, well, socially. Yeah, I, so. maybe, maybe, at some point, maybe it wasn't, but it seems like this is again, a microcosm of the, uh, of, of the Catholic life in America in general is that we've got, it's always going to be standing out in a way, you know, going, being a, being a devout Catholic, being someone who practices and lives the faith is going to separate you from, from other people around. And it's going to make a difference. And not just in what you eat on Fridays during Lent or, or the Ash Wednesday sort of thing, but a weekly thing and, and the way you're talking, the way you're relating to people. Speaking of relations, uh, what's, what I found striking about the college campus ministry is, is how few how few students are thinking about marriage, for instance, whereas I'm thinking, you know, I know you're young, but I mean, college, when I was going through college and I went to a Protestant, I was a, a Protestant uh, before I was a Catholic and we had, you know, we had a, it was at a, a private Protestant college, Grove City College in Pennsylvania, which is great. But there was this idea that, well, everyone's going to get married at some point and why not? And there's no better place than college to find your, find your future spouse because you're around people who are like-minded who come from similar backgrounds and all of this, where, where else are you going to meet them? You know, you really want to marry someone you're working with right. when you leave here or something like no. this. And, and so for me, college, and I don't know if, I mean, obviously you had a different, different college experience, but some of it, it was not, it would not be odd to th be thinking when I was a junior or a senior uh, about if there's anyone around that, for instance, I I'd be looking for, for marriage, this sort of thing, or at least a courtship or a serious, serious dating experience. Whereas in my experience now, I mean, dating <laughs> doesn't happen, no, let alone. I mean, so, and so if dating doesn't happen, forget the idea of marriage. I remember I was, I was in a small group thing and one of the students there, the fine young lady, she was a senior. She had like, she had a ring on her left, her left ring figure. And I knew she wasn't engaged and think so, but I, I just opened up and I said, Hey, do you want to, do you want to let us know what's going on? To the group do you want to share something? Is there news? Something? Yeah. Uh, and, and she said, no, what would I share? And I said, well, you're, were you engaged? You've got this ring on, engagement ring on or something. Oh, that is awesome. And all the other people were like, father, no. And I said, and then we grew this good conversation about like, 
wait, what? When do you think you're, when are you going to get married? Yeah. Well, 35? Really? That's what you're shooting for? Now, did you find this, this, like they were, they were just flummoxed. They were shocked about it. Did you find this something similar? Or do you find this something similar with college students at UVA? I mean, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a social thing. But like, I, it's really interesting because um, I think they are, are all thinking about it. I, oh, do you think think so? they, I do think they think about it, but they like try to act like they not, they're not and they're not oh, interested okay. in it. Um, and it, it takes a different form though, because I think you find a lot of, um, a lot of students who are of, you know, male, female, but they're just friends. And they have these like really, like mm-hmm. really deep friendships and without ever uh, kind of asking another person out that kind of intentionality when it comes to dating and not just dating, mm-hmm. but dating for a purpose, like dating in order to see like, is this a possible spouse? Yes. Like, I don't know. That I don't think I knew anyone happen. that did that. That happened a lot of my college. I'm sure at Franciscan it happened a good bit yeah, too. Yeah. But UVA, uh, Mr. Jefferson's university, traditional place, I assume this one. No, no one. Well, I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and there's a, there's a handful. I'm, I must say there's a handful of couples here and, and stuff like that sure. that are very intentional and they're, and they're good. I would say like within our campus ministry, like sure, that, sure. that's starting to be a culture that's being built um, back. But I had to tell you that. So like we started this thing uh, about once a month here after that 9 PM Sunday mass, mm-hmm. we'll do a theology on tap type type setup at uh, one of the local bars um, next on, on the corner. So we go over about 1030 at night and Corinne Riley, who's the campus minister down here, uh, just gave a talk last week. We had like 80 people in this bar. It was packed. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And the entire talk was, can men and women be just friends? Yeah. And it like, if yes, there's no, right? Can they be friends? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Men and women can be friends. That's fine. Can they be best friends? No. Okay. Like, that is not appropriate. Like at that age, at 19 and 20, like having your absolute best friend that yes. you stay up until like two in the morning talking on the phone to or sitting in the car in the parking lot of the dorm talking to, like that's not appropriate. Hey, who are you kidding? Yeah. That's right. And if you got, I mean, come on, if you got to clarify more than like what, three times that you're just friends, you're not yes. just friends. Yes. That's, that, right? that's, that's fair. Okay. That's great. Uh, but like, yeah, she gave this talk and it's just like, it shattered people's worlds to think that like, oh my gosh, are we, the way we're acting, even if we don't have the title on it, is actually a relationship that's maybe moving towards something in the end, which would be marriage. Yeah. And I wonder where this, this came from, whether, I mean, we could get like all grumpy about social norms and social conservatism and all of this and lack of the family. But um, I'm like, where, when, when we got to the point where, or wondering if, if this is a larger thing where no one talks about relationships and marriage and men and women, like this is just one of these tributaries down, downstream from that, that experience as they're growing up such that they do have this weird, like they've stumbled onto an act actually having relationships without knowing they're in a, in a relationship like this. That's it. Yeah. This never really exactly happened where you, you turns out now you're finding out you're in a relationship whereas before you, you had to intend to make this relationship. Now you're just stumbling into it. They're still happening, but you're right. But it's a weird experience not having, not having a sense of, of actually being in one. I mean, this brings up another crisis that like, I think we could probably do a whole other episode on mm-hmm. um, is like the crisis of friendship. Like trying right. to understand what authentic sure. friendship is, what that looks like. You know, we we sling this word around all the time. Like, oh, you know, friends, friends on Facebook equate followers on Instagram and 
but what does that really mean? And so because there's such a crisis of friendship, there's a crisis of relationships, like intentional relationships, whether they're romantic or not. And so you see this and people then stumble into kind of emotional dependencies and building up a relationship and not even realizing they're in one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is a lot more to talk about, obviously, with campus ministry and college campus and such. Um, I just end with, what are your, we'll find this question here, um, uh, what signs of hope do you have from the church from this experience you've seen? What, uh, what positives do you think when we look, you know, kind of like read the tea leaves or the, the signs of the times, do you see anything positive coming from this experience that, you know, we can say, yeah, hey, the spirit is working. I think, I mean, there's so much hope on the college campus. Like you look at kids um, and you talk with them and you work, walk with them in so many ways. Um, but I think one of the greatest sources of hope is that they're, um, even though they, they try to act like they don't, a lot of our college students know they don't have all the answers. They, they really don't. And, and they, they're, they're willing to be led. They want to be taught. But their first initial presentation is like, oh, no, I know everything. Like, I can read a blog. I can look this up on Wikipedia. I can know everything. But if you can just shatter that initial facade, deep down, understand they know that they have no idea what's going on. And they, they want to be taught. They want to be, um, they want to be shown how to live rightly. I mean, the amount of kids that, um, you know, for the first two years of college, they don't show up to mass. They, they're like, oh, I'm free now. I don't have to go to mass. My parents aren't dragging me in mass. I won't show up. I won't show up. And then by year three and year four, they're starting to look at real life. And they're like, no, this faith thing, actually, that has stuck around when all these other friends, all these other social groups or social pressures, they fade. There's something true about this. And I, I want to live my life by those kind of um, tenets of truth. And so even though they don't show up year one, year two, they'll be there year three, year four, and they kind of have those questions and that desire to be led by truth. So I think to me, that's the, the number yeah. one thing is whether they come in with that or it kind of lays dormant for a little bit and comes back, there is this deep desire that, you know what, I don't have all the answers and I want to be led by something true, something greater than myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a rediscovering uh, what was not yours initially and making it your own, appropriating the faith for yourself after this experience. And, you know, wisdom of Socrates is not, is saying that he doesn't know stuff. And that's the, the wisdom of the university in a sense is teaching you how to think, not actually giving you content. And then uh, this applies to the spiritual life too. So that's a good one to stop on. You've been listening to God's Plain. This is Father jo with Father Joseph Anthony Cress and Father Bonaventure. Uh, two chaplains, or if one of us is a former chaplain, the other one is still chaplain UVA. Uh, hope you've have a great week. Enjoy um, the changing of the seasons at this point. It's autumn for us, finally in D.C., so actually it became cold again. I don't know what it looks like down in UVA. It's probably still pretty warm. The, the leaves are starting to change in central Virginia, and it is gorgeous down here. Well, hopefully everyone gets, gets to go out inside and enjoy, some, enjoy nature and God out there and has a great week, and we'll get back to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to God's Planet a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.